How many believe you will see your victory in Christ Jesus? Without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to see our, our victory in Christ Jesus. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. Don't ever forget that. There's nothing the devil can do about it. You're going to see your victory. If you just remain faithful and you just continue to live for God in faith, you're going to see your victory. And no one, not even the devil, can do anything about it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So grateful to be in the house of the Lord one more time. So good to be with all of you. Amen. The presence of the Lord certainly is in this place, and I thank God for just showering us with his presence and allowing us to be in his presence. It is such an honor and a privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. But uh, Brother Scarlett always quote, for in the presence of the Lord there's fullness of joy. And that his right hand pleasures forevermore. Amen. There will be a time where the presence of the Lord will no longer be in this earth. And so um, while we have it here, I mean, if you stick with the program, then you will um, you will have his presence always. But if if you're not going to stick with the program, then the day will come where his presence will not be in this earth anymore. So I think we better do what we need to do to make sure his presence will be with us or we will be in his presence forevermore. Amen. Well, um, we, we need to pray tonight. We've got a lot to pray about. Oh, my goodness. There's much to pray about. So if you'll stand with me. Um, I will begin to tell you the things that we need to pray about so you understand the urgency. Um, so, Brother and Sister Phillips, we need to pray for both of them and pray for their families as well. Um, Sister Phillips lost her grandmother and her husband, Brother Phyllis, lost his uncle around the same time. So they're both um, going through suffering loss. Um, so they're supposed to, um, they're dealing with um, each other's family's loss and their own. And so that, that's, that's the challenge. And so I reached out to both today. And in times like this, um, you just, there's not much you can say. Um, there's, there's not too much you can tell them to encourage them. Um, but what I always tell people when I don't know or I don't have a specific word from the Lord to tell them is that God knows everything. And the bottom line is all we can do is trust him. There's 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 not much else you can do. And uh, I like to also encourage people to say, I know there are questions. That only God can answer. So, again, you got to trust him. Because if he ever sees fit to reveal that answer to you, only he has the answer. So it doesn't make sense to allow the situation, because sometimes, and understandable, I, I get it. Sometimes we can get upset with God because we felt like, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you prevent this? And that's well and good, but again, God knows everything. So if he didn't prevent it, he has a reason for why he didn't prevent it, right? And so... 
it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us when we're hurting, when we're frustrated, when we're going through times like those and we're suffering loss or something bad has happened to our family. It doesn't make good sense when in your mind, God, I thought I was your child. I thought I was serving you. Lord, how can you allow this? And so there are times where people will uh, feel that way, but then you have to realize God knows everything. And, and you, can, you can always get out your frustration to him. As I like to say, God is a big boy. He can handle it. And so you get out your frustration, but then you make sure you're still in your right mind by just saying, but God, I know you know best. You get out your frustration. But God, I know you know what's best. And as much as I'm frustrated, as much as I'm hurting, as much as I'm suffering this loss, you know what? I know you know what's best. And so I trust you. Comfort me in this time. You know, allow me to see your ways in this time and not my ways. And so pray for the Phillips family that they will trust God and continue to understand that he is the one that they need to turn to regardless of what they may think that they need to turn to him because David suffered um, at least three vital loss in his family in less than a year. Three. And now his wife, here is her one. And so that's that's four loss, significant loss within a year in your family. And I'm not, you know, I know there's a lot of other people, a lot of other families that due to the pandemic that we're in, they have suffered great loss as well. So, you know, I, I'm not losing the fact that there's a lot of people that are suffering loss. But when we know the folks who are suffering and we love them, then we pray God's will to be done and that they will look to him and not look away from him. Also, I want you to pray with me for uh, Christine Obato, her and her family. She lost her mom and her mom um, was in Kenya. They were living in Kenya and she lost her mom um, yesterday. And so they're going through a little bit, as um, Christine says, her mom was the matriarch and she kept everything going and they lost her. She was 77 years old. And so let's keep um, Christine and her family in our prayers that God will comfort them and bless them and guide them in all that they do. So um, those are uh, some individuals that I would like to see us pray for. I know there were some others. Did I forget? Brother Chuby and Sister Joy, um, they're not, you know, their body is, is not doing what they would like it to do. Brother Chuby said his motor skills are still not where it needs to be. His sight is a challenge. Uh, Sister Joy is going through some, um, some um, heart um, um, issues. Um, so pray for her that God will touch her body. Pray for him that God will touch his body. Anyone else I'm forgetting? Oh, yes, Sister Scarlett's niece is missing in Jamaica. I'm telling you, it, it, it doesn't stop. It's a long list. Um, Clavicia, um, um, she is missing, young girl. Um, haven't been able to locate her yet. So pray God's safety and protection and that she will come home safely. Um, those are a lot of um, serious prayer requests. A lot of serious requ uh, prayer requests that we need to pray about. But... That's why we're a church family, and um, when one is going through, we all go through. When one is hurting, we should hurt too, and um, whatever we can do um, to make sure we can help in times like these, we need to do our very best. So let's pray together 
for those names that we've mentioned. Pray for, our, obviously, our Bible study tonight and for God's will to be done. Also, finally, let's pray for um, the new leadership of our country. Um, as I like to say all the time, um, I don't care who is in there, whether I agree with their politics or I don't, I'm praying for them because I'm living in the nation that they're leading. And they're making decisions that will impact me and my family, you, you and your family. So we need to pray for them that God will guide them. So pray for the leadership of our great nation. Yes, ma'am. My brother? Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so pray for my brother, um, Carrie. He just, um, something is wrong. So let's pray that God will touch him and... Um, that God's will be done. <laughs> oh, Lord. I remember um, we, we probably need a prayer meeting like you mentioned, Sister Jackson. We got to pray. We got we to gotta figure out an all-night prayer meeting. Um, so let me try to get clearance here and probably do a Friday night to Saturday morning. Because there's much to pray about. It's not enough time to pray. Um, throughout our day, we're all working regular jobs and we're doing other things that we need to do. And so, yes, we pray. But to focus and pray over an extended amount of time. It's going to take some time. And um, for those of you that don't understand that old timers, um, we used to have what we call all night prayer. And um, we will probably get into the building somewhere about eight to 10 o'clock at night. And we'll pray until like six in the morning. Right. So when you get in here late in the night, you pray to the first watch. Six o'clock is the first watch of the next day. And we will pray. We'll do different things. Sometimes we'll show videos and sometimes we'll do teaching and we'll pray. We kind of break it up so it's not one consistent thing from, you know, 10 at night till six in the morning. All you're doing is praying. You know, we try to break it up, teach and, and show you videos and try to encourage you and things like that. So um, we need to plan one of those. So um, let's look for a date on the calendar to get that in and let's see what we can do for we need to really seek God for a lot of things. But let's pray about the things we talked about tonight. Father, we love you. We give you honor and praise and thanksgiving tonight for your great and greatly to be praised. Jesus, there is none like you. We've come tonight, Lord God, to just look to you for your guidance, your continual guidance. We, we've come tonight, Lord God, to seek your face for your instructions, Lord, to experience your peace and your joy and your direction, Lord God. Lord, we've come tonight, Lord Jesus, uh, to make our petitions known unto you. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll give ears to every voice that is lifted tonight as we touch and agree for your will to be done, Lord God. We pray tonight, Father, for the Phillips family in their lost, my God, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to them in a way you have not revealed yourself to them. That, Lord, they will not turn away from you, but they will turn towards you and that they will seek you more than they've ever seeked you, Lord. I pray tonight, Father, that you will have your way in their life, Lord God, that your hand will be upon them, Lord God, and that the power of the Lord will overshadow them. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done in their life, Almighty God. I pray tonight for Christine and her family, Lord God, that, Lord, their faith will increase and that they will trust in you now more than ever before, Lord God, and allow you to guide them and allow you to lead them 
I pray your hand upon them. I pray your provision for them, your peace and your comfort upon them, Lord God. I pray for Chuby and Miss Joy, Lord God, that you will touch them in a special way and that by your stripe they will be healed from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, that they will receive healing and wholeness, Lord God. I pray that you'll touch them miraculously, Lord. Let them be healed. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. I pray, Almighty God, for Clevisia, Lord God, that your hand will be upon her, that your guiding light will direct her, that if any harm or danger is coming to her or have come to her, that, Lord, you will sustain her, you will protect her, you will uphold her, you will guide her, and that you'll bring her home safely, O great God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I pray tonight, Lord God, for my brother Kerry, Lord God. Touch his body, Lord God. Touch him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet and let miraculous healing come upon him and let the power of God overshadow him. Oh Lord I pray your will be done. I pray the kingdom of God will be revealed and tonight Lord we touch and agree asking your guidance upon this great nation. We know you have great revival in store for us and we pray tonight for the leadership of this great nation that the hand of God will lead us the power of God will direct us and that Lord you will influence Lord Jesus the minds of our leaders Lord God that you will give them guidance and direction Lord in all the decisions that they will make oh great God I pray your will be done in their life almighty God have your way Lord lead them Lord let us experience revival in this great nation and around the world for we Yes, Lord, your will to be done, your kingdom come, and we ask tonight, Lord Jesus, that your power will reign supreme in our Bible study, and that we will experience, Lord, your hand working in our midst, Lord. Have your way tonight, Father. We ask you for revelation and for understanding and for direction. Impart to us what you will, that we, oh God, will leave this place different than the way we came in. For the glory of God, we praise and thank you tonight and honor you tonight and bless your name. For the Lord, you are good, your mercy everlasting, and your truth endure it to all generation. Oh God, we thank you tonight. We give you honor and praise for all these things we ask. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. 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 Oh, blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you for praying with us. Amen. It makes a difference when we come together and touch and agree and we pray together. Amen. Thank you.
you may be seated. Cycle from death to life to maturity. The cycle from death to life to maturity. Amen. And so we're going to probably finish up tonight. We'll see how it goes. Or maybe we will have one more lesson with this. We'll see. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we covered um, last week. We covered some things that was important. We covered what we call the spiritual cycle, the spiritual cycle. And so if one is going to go from death to life, we're going from human life to spiritual life. And so that's what we call going from death to life. Because it's one thing to be alive in the flesh, but still be dead. So we're born naturally, and we're in this world. But Unless we experience spiritual life, we are spiritually dead. But we're living physically in the flesh. And this is why Jesus says we must be born again. Because when you're born the first time, you're born physically. But that's not good enough to get you into heaven. Spiritual birth is not good enough to get you to heaven. You must experience a spiritual birth and stick to it in order to make it to heaven. So we talked about the physical birth, the cycle of it, and what must happen for it to take place and for a baby to be born and live out a full life. And then we talked about all the steps that is required. And then we show you how God is so precise that all the steps that is required for natural life, physical life and and growth and maturity to take place. All the cycles that's required for that to happen is the same amount of cycles that is required for someone to be born again spiritually. God didn't. That wasn't just something that just happened to be or man got smart and figured it out. That's just God's way. He's always showing us his way. So he doesn't want us to get lost along the way. So the natural always comes first because he wants to teach us the spiritual. And so we can become familiar with the natural. Then eventually, as we begin to learn the spiritual, it will make sense to us and we will be able to understand it. So last week we talked about how the natural life and the spiritual life parallels and how it, it, the same steps and cycles are required. And so here we go. I'll read 
reiterate what the spiritual cycles are just to remind you of them. And so we said there were eight cycles that need to take place for there to be complete spiritual birth, growth, and maturity. Eight cycles. And so here we go. We said the first cycle was revelation. Just like we said in the natural cycle, the first requirement is fertility. Remember we say in the natural cycle, if there's no fertility, no matter what you do, no birth. So in the spiritual, no revelation, no birth. You can go through the motions and say that you're born again, but until you experience revelation, you're going to be in trouble. And we said revelation is simply God revealing himself to us. Revelation is simply God revealing himself to us. So in whatever way God sees fit to reveal himself to you, he will. And he will do that for every one of us. And it starts from there for all of us. The Bible says only a fool says in, says in his heart, there is no God. And now it's making more sense to me because if God, if God's plan is to reveal himself to all of us, it means that person that's saying there's no God, God has probably revealed himself, but he just wants to deny. Second step is recognition. So once there's revelation, you now recognize your condition, especially the sinful condition. If you can come to the understanding that God is who he is, that God is almighty God who was invisible, then became visible in the man Christ Jesus and came through the, the birth of the virgin, came through the natural process of this life to be born into this world and then gave his life so we can have eternal life. If you ever get to that understanding and study that in detail to know who God is, it meant you recognize something, but you can't recognize God and not recognize yourself the moment you recognize who he is you're going to realize I'm in trouble this is why some people do not want to respond to God they don't want to recognize him I should say because if you recognize him it's going to compel you to do something and because you don't want to do anything you're just going to say ah you all crazy to believing in that God stuff. Because if I ever stop to recognize he really is God, and whether I recognize it or not, that's my business. He is still God, and, and then plenty of people are recognizing him, and, and that's just the way it is. And so when you recognize who he is, then you also recognize your condition that you are a human that is sinful, and that in order to overcome and to and to be victorious over sin, you're going to need him. So because of that, you're now going to respond to him. Once you recognize him, you better respond to him. And what is responding? Seeking his will. Seeking his will. When the apostle Paul recognized him when he was on his way to Damascus. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. 
And so the apostle Paul recognized him. And then when he did, what was his next thing? What will thou have me to do? Responding. He is seeking him. And so you seek him. The fourth thing is repentance. Because when you seek him, he's going to tell you, you need to repent. Remember when Jesus started his ministry, the Bible says, for he went about preaching. John the Baptist did first, and then here comes Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So when you get an encounter with God, when you recognize and you respond to say, what must I do? The very first thing he's going to say is repent. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of heart and motive. A change of heart and change of motive. Mm -hmm. Fifth thing that happens, remission, remission. What is remission? God removes the effect of sin that happened to you prior to you coming to him. So that's why when we get baptized in water, it's not just, I know it looks like, uh, you know, we're just dunking somebody in water, but God's principles are still being applied. And so when you go down in the water, what God is saying is I'm washing away your sins, remission. I'm removing it. I'm removing it. All the sins you've committed, I'm washing it all away. That's called remission. God removes the effect of sin prior that was in our life. Then the sixth step is receiving, receiving. And what is that? God fills you with his spirit. Receiving. God fills you with his spirit. And remember, we draw the, the correlation to say you receiving the Holy Ghost in the natural is a baby being birthed into the natural world and take their first breath on their own without the mother's help. God is just so concise. Mm -hmm. This is why now you can follow me when you hear me say the Holy Ghost is the second breath. Because the first breath you take on your own when you come out of the womb, that's because while you're in the womb, you're not taking your own breath. You're breathing through the mom, right? So the first breath you take is when you first come into this world, boom, first breath. And then after that, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that's the second breath. So when you hear me talk about the second breath, I'm talking about being filled with God's spirit. God is awesome, isn't he? <laughs> then the seventh thing in you being born again and having a spiritual life, the seventh thing is remaining, remaining. What is remaining? God establishes fellowship. God establishes fellowship with you and a Christian family. So here is how it works. You're born again. And so you complete the process. Remember, to complete the born again process, the, the last thing that completes that process usually is you being filled with God's spirit. When you're filled with God's spirit, you still need to mature and grow up. 
And the way God does that is put you in a family. Come on, think about the natural now. Don't, don't lose me. And it's not weird. When you're born as a child natural, you're born into a family. So he puts you in a family naturally, and he puts you in a family spiritually. <laughs> so, so we can't escape it. A lot of times we want to say, well, why is church this? And, what? You know, and, and sometimes you know, people are asking really good questions, but we have to have really good answers for them. And one of the really good answers are the church is established because when you become born again in order to fulfill who you are in Christ, he has to now put you in a family. Why? So you can receive proper training and nurturing to grow up and become a real responsible adult. (laughs) That's the way it works. So that's the. That's the the seventh step there of remaining is you're growing up. In order to grow up properly, you need to be around a family. You need to have mom and dad. You need to have your siblings. You need to have other relatives. And and, and, and they're there to help you and be an example and and teach you. And, And then you have instructors around you that's teaching you so you can grow up properly. So if you want to know why we need the church, there's one reason. I've got tons of reason why you need the church and why you should be in the church. But one of the reasons is you need to be brought up and mature in a spiritual way. You need to know how to conduct yourself spiritually just like you do naturally. One of the things that we can probably say, too, also is why do we send our children to school? Why? Why do we want them to go to college right because we want to raise children that are intelligent that are smart that become responsible you know mature adults that can do the right thing contribute to society and so that's what we want to do we want our children to be we want them to become responsible citizen in society and so we do those things Well, God wants you to become a responsible citizen in the kingdom of God. So he will always allow you to be born again into a church family that will take good care of you, that will be an example to you, and you will receive teaching and instructions, and you're going to grow up spiritually, and you're going to become mature spiritually, and you're going to be able spiritually to, to grow up and to help others as well. Which brings me to the final step in that process, which is reproducing. There you go. Reproducing. And as you're reproducing, it means that God conform you to his image and use you to reveal him to others. Did I lose you there? Your final step of reproducing is God will conform you into his image so you can be like him. And when you become like him, now you are capable and able to reveal God to others by the way you live your life and the things you say to them. That's a spiritual cycle. And if you follow that spiritual cycle, you will see the natural cycle is just as true. That all of what you need in the natural cycle for us to be responsible grown-ups at some point in time, those were the cycles, and here we are, spiritual cycle. 
So tonight, I'll finish up with the cycle of maturity because now what happens is, yes, you grow up in Christ and yes, uh, you're learning, you're conformed to his image and you're learning how to uh, reveal him to others by the way you live your life and the things that you say. But but there are a lot of people. Let me start it this way. There are a lot of people that are in church that have gone through the cycles that you need to go through to become uh, a complete, responsible, grown-up, mature Christian. But then there are times where you might see some of them fall back. What we call that, we call that backslide. You see some backslide. You see some walk away. Uh, Different things happen. And because different things happen, some people don't handle all the challenges of life the same way. They don't handle all the situations of life the same way. And so as a Christian, you're doing well and you're going and you're revealing Christ to people. And all it takes is is the loss of a loved one. All it takes is for you to go through some kind of sickness. All it takes is for your family to go through something where you're struggling or, you know, you lose your job or something happens. And all of a sudden now it weighs so heavily on you that you're not able to just trust God. And you, you find yourself just walking away or doing less. And, and now you find yourself kind of uh, estranged from God when, when, when you used to not be that way all because of the challenges. And those things happen. So I'm going to teach you the things that you need to do. So no matter what you go through, you will be fine. How good does that sound? So so what we're going to go over tonight, that no matter what you go through as a Christian, doesn't mean that you're not going to hurt. Doesn't mean that you're not going to cry. Doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer loss. None of these things. It doesn't mean that. It just means when you do. And I say when, not if, when you do, you will know how to get through it and still be right with God. That's what we'll go through tonight. Amen. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. These are very important portions of scriptures. If I were you, I would make sure... I make big time notation of these texts because these texts uh, don't get discussed enough. They are so significant and 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 but unfortunately, they're not discussed enough for the significance that it carries. So make great notes tonight in, in, in as we discuss these scriptures. So the word of God says. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, Peter, or Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, that word and should be even our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing to folks that have now obtained the same kind of faith that him and the other apostles have. He says, to them that have obtained like precious, he called them precious, precious 
faith with us through the righteousness of God, even our Savior Jesus Christ. He goes on. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. How does grace and peace get multiplied to you? Mm-hmm. And I would say again, take out that and and replace it with even of Jesus our Lord. So he says you will obtain grace and peace through the knowledge. What we're doing here tonight is a lot of things, but one of the things you will always realize we do in this church is I will teach you the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is the most significant thing you can get in your life when you're talking about knowledge. There is no more knowledge more important to you and me than the knowledge of God. I mean, that should be self-explanatory, but let me just say this real quick. If God is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful, I want the knowledge of him. If God is sovereign, that he is in control and he rules everything, I want the knowledge of him. If God is omniscient, means that he's all-knowing. He even knows your thoughts. Nobody knows your thoughts but you and God. If he's all of that, I need the knowledge of who he is. So it's the most significant thing that you can receive in this life is the knowledge of God. Because why? Let's read, read on some more. According, verse 3, according as his divine power, he's got divine power had given unto us all things. So his divine power is has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So watch this. All things that pertain to life and godliness. His power has given it unto us. And so I like to stop there and say, what is outside of life and godliness? What, can, what, what is there that you can think of that's outside of life itself and godliness? Probably nothing. Because life is what we live every day. It's not where we live it. It's just what we live every day. And godliness is the life of Christ. So when you talk about those two things, you're talking about everything that is meaningful. The life that we live and the life that we can live in Christ. So he's saying that you can have all things pertaining to the life that we know of physically and all things concerning the life that we will understand spiritually. What else do you need to know? How will you know those things? Through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. So church, if we want to know all things that's pertaining to this life and the life of godliness, all we have to do is get the knowledge of God. 
You and I are witnesses that once we have obtained the, the knowledge of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, that he's almighty God manifest in flesh. Once we obtain that knowledge, that carried us a long way because now we understand life as it is in this earth and then we understand life as it is to be in Christ Jesus. So there is nothing that you can't understand anymore. There's nothing that you can't have an intelligent conversation about. And so I know for a fact, yes, I was a little bit younger, but I know for a fact that once I gave my life to Christ and surrendered and became born again and started growing and maturing in God, I realized that there was nothing that I could not have an educated, decent, meaningful conversation about because I was what was revealed to me was things pertaining to life and godliness. So wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, I can have conversation with anyone and I will give you an answer because the answer is coming from what's lying in me, who is God, the hope of glory. And he says, by knowing him, you know life as it is in this earth and you know life of godliness. Verse four, where whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these. Ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, here we go, add to your faith virtue. So what has transpired over the years, many Christians have obtained faith, the knowledge of him which allows you to understand life in this world and godliness, life in Christ. And we stopped right there. We have the knowledge. But that's all it was. It was like information, like how we do today. A lot of information in our mind. We know a lot of things today, but yet and still, we're worse off morally today than we've ever been. But we're smarter. We're smarter, but morally we're more corrupt. You explain you when you get a good explanation of that one, you let me know. We're smarter, but we still have hunger. And we know we're smarter because technology says we're smarter. We're smarter and we're struggling solving Corona. It just tells you. We can have information, but it still doesn't mean that we're going to be all right. It's just information being stored. So God says, okay, I've given you faith by revealing myself to you. By the way, if that went over your head, faith is not just believing real hard. Faith is having the knowledge of who God is. When you have the knowledge of who God is, you have obtained faith. So you don't have to believe something that you don't know. Blind faith, people like to say, no such thing. There's no such thing as blind faith. You have faith because you know something. When you know Jesus, you have faith. That's not blind anymore. A lot of people have walked away 
saying there's no God because people have told them, you got that blind faith. And they have believed a lot of things that never come to pass. And then they walk away saying that God stuff can't be real because I believed and I know in my heart I believed. Nobody can tell me I did not believe. I believed. And what was supposed to happen never happened. Well, that's because someone instructed you incorrectly. Verse six. Well, let me finish up five. And besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity for if these things be in you and abound they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you follow that? So when you add all of these things to faith, which is the knowledge, you will not be barren or unfruitful. So now you understand why we have Christians that have the knowledge, faith, but they're barren and unfruitful because they never add anything else to their faith. Once they obtained faith, they just had that knowledge and they did nothing with it. This is why the Bible says faith without works. So in actuality, if you become born again because you obtained faith, but you never did anything else to add to your faith, it's like you was born again in vain. Because you're going to be barren and unfruitful. But if you do these things, you will not be barren or unfruitful. Hmm. Verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. So now you know you can be a blind Christian. Uh-huh. And cannot see afar off. We can be Christians and still talk crazy. And had forgotten that he, oh my goodness, this stuff is so good. (laughs) All because you just stayed stuck at faith. And you never added anything else to your faith. All because of that, you're like you're blind. You can't see afar off. And you have forgotten that you had been purged from your old sins. Look at verse number 10. Heavy. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things. So now you know why people fall as Christians. They didn't do these things. They had faith. They were born again. But that's the only place where they stayed after that. They never got past faith. They just stayed at faith. And so they became barren and unfruitful. They couldn't see afar off and forgot that they were just purged from their sins. None of this stuff. 
and because they didn't do those things that they were supposed to do, which is to add to their faith, they fell. But if you add the things that is listed here, these things, if you add these things, you will never fall. Woo. All right. So we probably won't get through all of these things tonight, but let's just try some of these things tonight. <laughs> all right. And besides this, we just read that. It says, given all diligence, add to your faith. So we need to establish that tonight, that if we have faith, which we know faith is having the knowledge of God, understanding that God Almighty is Jesus Christ manifest in flesh. When we have that knowledge and we recognize that we understand that, we need to respond to that and we need to add to that. Uh-huh. These things refers to all of the things that were described that we just read as we were going through the virtue and all of that stuff. That, that's these things. And I'll tell you what those things are in a second. Let me show you something. Believing God is defined in James chapter 2, verse 21 through 23. So the definition of believing is found in James chapter 2, verse 21 through 23. What is the definition of believe? The, the definition of believe is faith plus works. The definition of believe is faith plus works. So when you have faith and it move you to do or move you to be obedient to God's instruction, that result in you saying now, I believe. Because whatever you believe, it will show up in how you live your life. But what make you live your life? Faith is what should instigate, irritate, compel, encourage you to live your life. And the way you start, and, and as you start living your life, you're living your life every day saying, I believe. Whether you say it with your lips or not, your action says, I believe. I believe because it's faith. Plus works. I have the knowledge of God, and because I have the knowledge of God, I responded in obedience to all of his teachings, and that means I can say I believe. And a lot of people do it the opposite and get tripped up. They think the very first thing that's required for you to be saved is belief. But that can lead you down a rabbit hole that will get you in trouble because if someone tells you all you need to do is believe, when you just start believing, okay, that's cool that you start believing that God is real. But what's going to happen is God is going to do some things that you're going to say, that couldn't be God. Well, here's the problem. You believe something you didn't know. You follow me? 
This is why a lot of Christians get jammed up because someone told you to just believe and you started believing something that you didn't really know. And because you started believing something you didn't know, then when God does what he do and we know his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so he starts to do things that we don't understand. We start saying, well, that can't be God. Well, you never took the time to know him. You didn't obtain the knowledge. So now you don't understand what's going on. But when you get to know him first and understand what he has done to save you, what he has done for you to have eternal life, what he has done that you will have the authority, you will have authority if you live for him to cast out demons or you're able to live in your right mind or you're able to experience joy in times like this. When you know him, you understand that those things come with knowing him, joy and peace and comfort and know that he will protect you and know also too that he will allow you to leave this world at the time you didn't want to leave it's still his goodwill for you when you know him when you know him when you know him you're not you're not concerned about well why is this I know him and I know that he knows everything and there is nothing that he doesn't know and he has all things under control he is the one that's allowing this universe to move on its axis and he is the one that's causing the sun to come up and to go down and for the rain to fall and for the seasons to change if he's in control of that I can't in my right mind question why He's allowing this and why he's not doing that because I know he's all powerful and he has all things under his control. But if you don't learn that, if all you did at the beginning was just believe. This is a trip for you right now. God, how can you let Corona? I'm sure there's a lot of people, even Christians. That's like concern. How can God be loving and kind and let Corona happen? Simple answer. Simple answer. This is not God's answer. This is just me giving you an example because I know God's ways. Why would you beat your kids or punish your kids so they can do better? Can you answer that? You're going to do better. You're not going to play the video games for two days. Why do you say that to your kid? Why are you going to stop your kid from playing the video game for two days? Or why you're going to tell them that you're not going to buy them something nice? Or why you're not going to give them the gift that they wanted for Christmas? Or why you need to pop them? Whatever it is, why did you do that to your kid? Because you want them to get it right. And sometimes the only way they get it right is when they get under pressure. Sometimes the only way they get it right is when you cause them to go through a struggle. Now, here's the good news with God. He will not allow you to go to struggle without him. Remember the three Hebrew boys in the fire? He will not. He, they said, we will not bow down to you, O king. And if you throw us in the fiery furnace, well, go ahead and throw us in. But we will not bow down to you. Why didn't God just? No, 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 no. Don't say that. He's going to throw you in the fire. So don't say that. God just let them say that. And when they went into the fire, God went into the fire with them. 
and the fire didn't burn them. It didn't singe their clothes. Neither did their clothes smell like smoke because as they went through that fire, God allowed that fire to not be hot and they walked through it because in their challenges, in their struggles, in their situation, God was with them. Because God is teaching us something in that struggle. God is teaching us something in that fire. God is teaching us something in all the things that we think is hard. We have to go through them in order to learn. If we never have those situations, we will not be fully developed because we wouldn't understand some things in life. And God wants us to be developed. He wants us to be mature in him. And so he allow us to go through some things that we wouldn't take ourselves through. And that's fine. But that's what he does to develop some things in us so we can learn some things. So, yes, God could have stopped Corona from coming because he know where it started. He knows where it initiated. He could have just shut it down right then and there. But he allow it to happen that we can learn some things. And we did. And we did. I watched, you know, I've said it many times. I've watched our businesses. I know there's some business that shut down and all that stuff. I get all that. But I've watched some of our businesses and, and, and companies, how we begin to just, you know, change in the way we do things. And we became a little bit smarter in how we do things. And so we learned a lot through Corona. I understand we lost some people. Only God can explain why we lost some people. I can't get into that part. Only he can explain it. Only he can explain that. But I will tell you this. He could have stopped Corona and he didn't. And I know that he didn't because there's some things that we need to learn from this because Jesus Christ is getting ready to return church. And when he returned, he's coming back for those that obeyed his word and lived for him. And so he is getting ready to return. And as I've said many times, that there is no better time, there has been no better time in my lifetime to get ready for Jesus' return than right now. We have been quarantined. We have less access to do wrong. You have to go out your way right now to do wrong. If you want to do some really bad things, you have to go out of your way. So, so I've looked at this as a time where if we really sincerely wanted to get our life right, this is probably the best time that we've ever seen. Because when we have prosperity, we don't pay God no mind. Remember, look at, look at how things work. Every time there's tragedy, every time there's, there's something that we're dealing with that's heavy, we start going to God. We start asking him for answers. But as long as we're prosperous, and this has been our behavior from the time we were created. You know, we know all about the children of Israel being in Egypt. They overstayed their time there all because of the good of the land. Things were good. Whenever things are good, we ignore God. The only time we give him a little bit of time or look his way a little bit is when we start going through a little something. Even death get us to look his way. Even death make us look to him because we realize we are mortal. And if that happened to her or him, it can happen to me. So I need to go inquire because it could happen to me. So all the things that we want to detest and be angry at God for, it is the very things that cause us to go to him. 
And God doesn't have a problem with us coming to him angry, sad, happy. Doesn't matter how we come to him. He loves us so much that all he's saying is, as long as you come to me for me to give you the answer of what's best for you, that's all I care about is that you come to me because I have the answer to eternal life. So whatever way or whatever method or means that God will allow to to, to happen around us so we will come to him so he can tell us how we can obtain life eternal, that's all good with him because he loves us that much. So the little bit of pain and frustration and hurt that you may go through in any challenging time, if you come to the knowledge of Christ and you start obeying him, it was worth it. Because we're going to live on this earth, most of us, hopefully 70 years. None of us know what eternity is. We're going to live longer dead. I can't even say it like that because we're really not dead. We're really not dead. We're going to live longer in the next life than in this life. That's probably the best way to say it. (laughs) We're going to live longer in the next life than we did in this life. Because this life, we might get to 70, maybe, if we're fortunate. We might never get there. And if we're real fortunate, we get a little bit over that. Right, Brother Jackson? Yes, sir. We're, We're fortunate we get over that. But the bottom line is, We're going to live longer in eternity than we do in this temporal world. So what's more important, being ready for eternity or being ready for this temporal world that you might get 70 years in if you're fortunate? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And so we won't get into these things until next week. We, we just can't get into these things till next week because they're details and we need to get into these things. And so when we talk about virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity, we need to get into that. Because what did the Bible say? If we do these things, whew, don't you love the sound of that? If you do these things. We will not fall. So next week we'll get into these things because these things are very important. So we just won't be Christians that's barren, Christians that's just not producing any fruit. We don't want to be that kind of Christian. We want to be true Christian that God said we ought to be in the Bible. So we will not be barren. And so we will produce good fruit. And so we will not fall. And so we are able to let people see God in us in the way we live our life and the things that we say to them. That's what we're striving for. And then the inheritance is eternal life and being in the presence of God forever. But we're going to live forever. But most of our time existing alive is going to be in the spiritual world. And that's eternal. That's the one we need to make sure we live in. Not this one right here. This one is. This one is a lot of times challenging. We're miserable. You know, it's not always good in this one. It's challenges. Some of us as parents, we've had children when they were from the day they were born. They've been a challenge to us. (laughs) 
you know, some of us have just not been fortunate enough. And, you know, some of that we might blame on God. God, why my life has been miserable. I won't get into that. We'll talk about these things next week. Any questions before we close up tonight? I appreciate you all um, taking the time to be here and um, allowing the word of God to come into your heart. Any questions? All good? All right. How about we stand and pray as we dismiss tonight? Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. Amen. Online congregation, I love you. I want you to know that I appreciate you. Appreciate you joining us, being with us. Hopefully you got some good notes. If you have any questions online, please uh, submit them. I said that last week too, right? Um, make sure, um, did online give you any questions? Okay, all right. Make sure you take care of our, our online congregation. Whatever they need, make sure they're good. So send questions whenever you want, and we'll make sure you're all good. Joyce, I didn't see Taylor tonight. Taylor um, left you out tonight? Is Tammy Taylor's mom? No. no. <laughs> I, wait, wait, you say your daughter, so I'm just thinking Taylor's your granddaughter, right? Okay. Really? Okay, all right. Okay. She's a nice girl, and we miss her. You tell her we miss her. She's a nice girl. Oh, no, no, tell her that's, I'm glad she went out with dad. Dad's probably happy about that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, man, well, we're glad to see your daughter. What is your daughter's name? Tammy. Tammy, we're so glad to have you tonight. Amen. Thursday night, Tammy. Did you ever thought you would be in a church service? <laughs> you, sound like, you sound like your mother now. You know that, right? Because that's the first thing she said to us. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what's happening to me, but I, it's, just, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to do the Catholic thing anymore because I don't, I don't feel like anything happens. That's what your mom said. I'm like, and I, got, I didn't tell her. I said, okay, let's not talk about that. Let's just discuss how we move forward. Because we're not into making anybody look bad. We don't want anybody to look bad. We don't try to let anybody look bad so we can look good. That's not what God's intention is. God's intention is that everybody look good. So we talk about how we can move things forward. <laughs> but, but Joyce is excited, and we're excited, and we thank God for um, bringing her here and making her part of our little church family. Um, uh, Thursday night Bible, this is Thursday night Bible study, Tammy. And so Sunday will be a little bit different. I'm sure Joyce might have told you. Oh, <laughs> she, told, she told you, Tammy, Sunday's a little different. <laughs> oh, listen, Tammy, I'll just say this. I've heard a lot of conversation about a lot of things. But if God is really as good as he is, why should we sit still and just be quiet and can't? If he's, listen, when I eat a good meal, I'm just like happy and just, I'm cutting into my steak and I'm just eating and I'm just enjoying myself. You know I'm enjoying a good meal when I'm enjoying a good meal, right? And so when I come into the house of the Lord and I'm enjoying myself, I, I'm going to express myself like I'm really enjoying. So that's what you get on Sundays. We really express ourselves. <laughs> Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're glad you're here tonight, Sammy, and we're so glad to have you. And like we told uh, Joyce and we told Taylor, if there's anything at all that we can do, um, we love our community. We love people. And this is about just loving each other. And I believe that's what's important. When we love each other, as we've been saying, if people will just love each other, there's a lot of things that we've struggled with. And it's all because we're not loving each other. Um, you know, just for instance, we talk about um, people have different thoughts on the mask. And regardless of your thoughts, just because you love someone, that's why you wear it. So it doesn't matter what you think. You might think, oh, this thing is just too much. But you wear it because you love someone, right? And so our behavior in our world, it just comes down to are we loving each other? Because if we love each other, we will do differently. And so we're striving to be like that, where we will love each other. So we thank you for being here tonight, Tammy. And anything at all that we can do to be a blessing to you and help you in your walk with Christ, just let us know. Amen. Let's pray before we go. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for bringing Tammy here and allowing all of us to assemble here tonight as we go through the scriptures and we try to learn of you, Lord God. We're so grateful for what you're doing. We're so grateful for the word of God. Lord, we are blessed and we're favored by you. And what an awesome privilege, Lord God. Oh, Father, I'm overwhelmed with joy and I'm overwhelmed with thanksgiving because, Lord, you are so good to us. And to know in the midst of this world with all of our challenges that we're facing, Lord, that you know them all and you love us and you will make a way for us if we will look to you and not look away from you. I pray that the word of God that's been taught here tonight will go into our hearing and into our hearts and take root and grow and produce good fruit and allow us to be ambassadors and saints of the Most High God where people will come to know who you are by the life that we live and the things that we say. Lord, as we go from this place tonight, we pray your hand will continually be upon us. Your blessing will flow into our lives. And oh my God, that you'll guide us and lead us in the way that you will have us to go. We thank and praise you. We honor you. And we say thank you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. God bless you and thank you for your time. Have a great night.